Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. Thank you for joining us again this week on the PDPW podcast. Tom Thibodeau, a distinguished professor at Viterbo University and a teacher of servant leadership, joins us this week to share with us the power of goodness. David Brooks, in uh, July of uh, 2018, wrote an article for the New York Times, and he starts it off by writing this. Often people are moved to tears by sadness. Occasionally people are moved to tears by goodness. That's what happens to audiences of Won't You Be My Neighbor, the new documentary about Fred Rogers. Then he goes on to talk about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And in that documentary, it shows how he would begin this program each and every day, Mr. Rogers going over to the closet, putting on a sweater, changing his shoes, and describes how gently and obviously he would speak to children, you are special just the way you are. You are special just the way you are. Won't you, won't you, won't you be my neighbor? Ordinary goodness. How often do we take that for granted? It's amazing that we can be so distracted by that which is sensational, that which is dark, that which might be even violent. But ordinary goodness that surrounds us each and every day. In the 1980s, Ann Murray had a very popular country western song, Sure Could Use a Little Good News Today. And wherever I travel, wherever I go, and I've had an opportunity this last month to go to a lot of places and travel and speak to so many good people, so much good, so much good news, and we have to be willing to share it with one another. Wherever your attention goes, your energy flows, and your focus grows. Let me repeat that. Wherever your attention goes, your energy flows, and your focus grows. So in each and every one of my presentations, I urge and invite people to pay attention to the good stuff. Uh, Two weeks ago, I was in uh, Fort Worth, uh, Dallas, Texas, speaking at a conference of subcontractors. Subcontractors from all over the country are the people who rebuild our infrastructure, who work in very dangerous and difficult and hard jobs each and every day. These are the people who build our country, glass producers, steel fabricators, architects, landscapers, good people doing good work every day so that we enjoy the buildings and the roads and the neighborhoods and the business we all gather. In that place, ordinary people knew and could see that I was not a member of the association and came up and made me feel welcome. I met a wonderful gentleman who has a landscape business in Arizona, and he is so proud that his two daughters have now taken it over. I met a woman from Maryland who works in waste treatment and and water protection, how important that is in each and every one of our communities today. I met another gentleman from Colorado who is a contractor trying to build subdivisions, housing, which is a great need in our country every day. And where do we find good carpenters and good plumbers? How important it is, people who do good work, hard work every day on our behalf. 
when I was in Fort Worth, uh, I'm going going to bed, and the night before, there's talking turns on the Weather Channel, and La Crosse, Wisconsin, was on the Weather Channel. Well, holy smokes, it's never a good thing when your small town is in the midst, uh, on, is mentioned by name on the Weather Channel, and it, it predicted that there's a snowstorm coming through the Midwest, and then up to five to seven inches was going to fall on on La Crosse, Wisconsin. They were describing almost like a snow Armageddon. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness gracious, I have to fly back, and I don't fly back in until tomorrow night, in which the zone is supposed to be most heavy. And, oh, I don't want to spend the night in the Chicago airport, but it looks like this could be a possibility. So after my speech, I go out to the Fort Worth, Dallas airport, and I try to sign up for an earlier flight. Well, there's 20 people on standby, and everybody wanted to get out and try to beat the storm, but we were all there, and we had to wait. And, of course, right now, airports are crowded, airport ports are busy, people are, are worried about their own travel destinations. And here are all these people uh, in TSA, here are all these people working in the food courts, here are all these people listening to people's complaints about their ticket or about the travel or about the weather with the travel agents have no control over, smiling, being calm, asking everybody for patience, telling us when to line up and when to get on our plane. And then we get on a plane and hear our flight attendants and pilots, well-trained, making sure that everybody is safe and secure. And then we take off and we, we're about ready to take off and then our plane is delayed for an hour and a half because of a thunderstorm. And now I'm thinking, I'm not going to get out of here. I'm not going to get to Chicago on time. Well, our plane finally takes off and then we have to circle for about 30 minutes before we can land because we had lost our place in the landing pattern. And then when we finally get get on the ground, it says that the plane going back to La Crosse, Wisconsin, the only plane going back to Wisconsin, La Crosse, Wisconsin, is boarding at that time, and I have to run across the concourse. Well, I'm a, an older gentleman now, and I can't run like I once did, and I have a bad leg, and so I'm kind of limping and kind of a hop-along Cassidy along this concourse, and I'm running out of breath, and I'm making amends that I'm going to probably just have to sleep in a chair all night long and see if I can catch a morning flight. And then an angel of mercy appears. A tall, young African-American gentleman with a wheelchair said, Sir, can I help you? I said, Oh, most certainly. He said, Get in the chair. He said, Where are you going? And I told him the gate. He stood there for a moment. He called the gate. He asked him to hold it. He raced me across the concourse, pushed me up to the desk. I jumped out. I, I, got, I was the last person to get on the plane. Before I could even turn around and say thank you, the gentleman had left. Didn't even wait to be thanked. This was his job. Each and every day he walks to the airport looking for people who need assistance. And he gave me my first wheelchair ride. I guarantee it won't be my last, but I will not forget about this good man. Well, then I get down and I'm the last person on the plane. And as as I get on the plane and we, we get seated, now we're delayed for two and a half hours on the tarmac. Well, what had happened is an overhead bin was stuck, and they had to call in uh, maintenance people who looked at it and had to secure it, and they had to fill out the paperwork so that the plane could be certified to fly. And then we had to be de-iced as we sat there. And people, of course, are upset. They've been traveling all day long. They're anxious. And I was kind of joining in that whole chorus of how we were all being victimized, and then for a moment, I closed my eyes, and I thought about all the people in Ukraine that night. 
There I was sitting on the plane. I was warm. I was safe. I was tired. I was protected. I would fly home in skies that were safe. I I, I was going to get home. It might be delayed, but I was moving home. And I was thinking about the number of people that are displaced, the number of people in each and every day don't all where they know where they're going to find hot water or enough to eat. And instead of becoming all upset, I began to look at all the good things that I had received and all the things that other people in the world would only hope that they could have in the course of that day. And the goodness overwhelmed me, the people that were taking care of me, the people that I prepared for the safety of our flight, all those people working on my behalf, our behalf, each and every day, good work, hard work, noble work, ordinary people, won't you? Won't you be my neighbor? And then the next week, I find myself at PDPW, Professional Dairy Producers of Wisconsin. What a group. Over 600 dairy farmers gathered in the Wisconsin Dells. It was amazing. People in the dairy industry, farmers and suppliers and truckers and producers, and the people who provide for the financial services that are necessary, all these people who provide our food, food, that is safe, affordable, and accessible for all. Food that is grown and produced. Food that is transported to market. Food that there's a safety regulations to make sure that all of us are healthy. All of us are able to eat food that we can trust because our producers are ethical. Good people doing good work each and every day. I had a chance to work with a number of young farmers. These are people who had grown up on the farm, and now the farms are being passed down to themselves. They were taking control of a legacy that had been handed on to them, and as stewards of the land and of the farm and of the family, they wanted to learn how to become better servants and leaders. Good people doing good work each and every day, no matter what the weather is, no matter what the road conditions are. They go out to the barns, they work in their fields, they produce what we eat each and every day, and then it gets transported to market. It gets produced, it gets processed for us so that it's accessible on our food shelves and sold to us by people who work in supermarkets. And all of a sudden you begin to realize that everything I have is the result of the good work of good people who we will never meet. Then I get a chance to speak at a church the following weekend. And I was, as I was talking about the power of servant leadership, our ability to serve and lead other people, this couple comes up and thanks me. They, they were my age in their early 70s. They're retired. They're empty nesters. And they became aware through a friend of theirs who's a social worker of a 15-year-old boy who was living in a motel by himself. They were homeless, he and his mother, and then his mother um, was was off in rehab for, for drugs. And this 15-year-old boy, his time in the motel was paid up until the uh, end of the end of the week, but the social worker became aware of him through the school. He has no place to live. And this family, in their early 70s, has two empty bedrooms, and they've invited this 15-year-old boy to come and live with him, kind of as a foster son, opening up their home to a child of someone they have never met. Won't you? 
won't you? Won't you be my neighbor? Ordinary goodness that inspires us each and every day. Wherever your attention goes, your energy flows, and your focus grows. Pay attention to goodness. We have an amazing local business uh, in, in our town uh, called the Quick Trip Corporation. Quick Trip Corporation sells um, bananas, potatoes, and onions for 49 cents a pound. They also sell uh, gasoline, and they also have all the kind of conveniences that you would need. They've moved now into fresh fruits and fresh vegetables to serve in their in their stores. Because in many of our small towns in Wisconsin, our food deserts, supermarkets are, are, have moved out, but there is this gas station, Quick Trip, who provides fresh food and hospitality and gas for the community. It's an extraordinary company um, with, with, a, uh, with an ethic of goodness, very much concerned about the quality of the product that they produce, but the culture of hospitality and welcome for all who walk to their doors. And they realize that if they're going to treat their customers or their guests very well, they have to treat their employees very well. So my brother and I are driving out into the country. He had his car being fixed by a mechanic who, who lived out in a rural area, and we went by a quick trip a gas station. And I said to my brother, boy, that, 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 that's an amazing company and how they're growing. He said, I, I know. He said, it's uh, uh, really amazing. He said, when my girlfriend was uh, suffering from cancer, she went to uh, Arizona for an alternate treatment. And she had to leave her 18-year-old daughter at home when the 18-year-old daughter is, is working at Crick Trip and going to school, and she's missing her mom, and she's worried about her mom. And one day calls in and said, my mom's suffering from cancer. I'm really worried about her. She's in Arizona right now. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really worried and afraid, and um, I just wouldn't be any good for anybody if I came to work. And they said, well, that's fine. You just take good care of yourself. Twenty minutes later, the phone rang, and I, young woman picked it up and her supervisor and said, we have purchased a round trip ticket for you to go to Arizona and see your mom. And we've also arranged for you to have a hotel stay so that you and your mom can be with each other. And then we have a bought a ticket for your mom, an open ticket that when she feels ready to come back, she can fly back without any level of expense. We owe that to you. Take care of yourself. And my brother looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, what corporation reaches out and cares that much for a part-time 18-year-old employee? And you begin to realize that all of us are overwhelmed by goodness. Won't you, won't you, won't you be my neighbor? Just like Fred Rogers, you're special just for who you are. Good people doing good work who oftentimes are overlooked. And finally, this week at Paterbo University, we have received an amazing gift. Peter Fragel, a Holocaust survivor. Peter is now 94 years of age. This will be the last decade because the survivors of the Holocaust are all in their late 80s and 90s. Their stories of what they had experienced will be lost unless we are willing to listen and Peter, at 94 years of age, is still healthy, articulate, witty, funny, and wise. 
And he came to speak to us and tell us the story about as a young um, a young uh, a German boy growing up in a, in a Jewish family, a secular Jewish family, but nonetheless defined by law as being Jewish because his grandfather was Jewish, were persecuted, and they had to leave their home and in um, Germany and moved to Austria and then Austria was annexed by Germany and so then they went to Belgium and from Belgium they went to, to France and in the south of France um, the, again the Vichy government is in cooperation with the Nazis and the Jews are being persecuted his father was was in a camp about uh, 20 miles away, but was able to uh, get a bicycle and get out of that camp. And he meets his son on the hill and gives him a pouch um, and tells him not to open it until he's left. But the father realized that his days were short, so he gave his son all the possessions that he had and told his son that he loved him and to be careful. Well... Young Peter, his mother was um, later arrested, and he finds himself as an orphan. A group of Quakers in, in France uh, took care of him and got him to a, a camp for children that summer. Uh, it was a camp run by a group of, of uh, Catholic sisters. And then the Germans were looking for uh, the children, the Jewish children, who they knew were there, and they said, no, you, you can't, uh, this this." This young boy is too sick to travel. And they said, well, we'll be back for him. And that gave the head of the camp, this wonderful woman, an opportunity to get Peter um, in, in contact with the underground. And he was brought to La Chambeau. La Chambeau was a little village in the north of France in which the whole community decided that they would save as many Jewish people as they could. This little village, they had been persecuted themselves through many centuries in um, Europe for their religious beliefs. They knew what it was like to be persecuted, and they decided that they would take care of these children, bring them into their homes, raise them as their own, give them their family names so these children would be protected. But then what happened is that the that the Nazis had uh, spies and were looking for the families that were hiding these children. How nefarious it was, those people that were pursuing young children. And yet Peter was one of these young children. And then by, by help, he moved to another town and then for another town. And finally, it crosses over into no man's land and getting into Switzerland. Oftentimes, he would be sent back because he was with Jewish and sent back to the French or to the Germans who were pursuing, and he pulled out a Catholic baptismal certificate that had been provided for him. And they said, oh, you're welcome here. He's 16 years of age. He's all alone in the world in Switzerland. Later comes to the United States where he had an uncle and an aunt and begins a new life and raises a family, and has been a successful businessman, and at 94 years of age, tells his story and says this. When somebody starts to bully other people, and a bully always takes on people that they think that are weaker than themselves, you must stand up and stop it in its tracks. You must stand up and do what is right and good at that moment. 
or you too are at risk of being destroyed. How important it is that acts of goodness not only enhance the lives of others, acts of goodness enhance our lives as well. Goodness permeates who we are, and each and every day, each of us meet good people doing good work every day. Sure could use little good news today. Well, I've seen that lived out this last month in Fort Worth, Texas, where subcontractors who are rebuilding our country gathered together to talk about labor and challenges and community. I met this in a person doing ordinary work in the Chicago O'Hare Airport at 9 o'clock at night who, without even stopping for a thank you, helped me to get home safely. I've experienced this amongst farmers each and every day who produce the food that we eat and oftentimes take for granted. I hear these stories from large and small businesses who believe in and take care of their employees not because it's profitable, but because it is right and good and just. And I'm reminded of a Holocaust survivor that it's good people. Good is what triumphs. How important it is, each of us, how important for each of us today to be acting like Mr. Rogers. Won't you? Won't you? Won't you be my neighbor? Absolutely. Thank you, Tom Thibodeau. It's great to be your neighbor. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, have a safe and productive week.